Good morning once again. I just turned off the mic as that ended, and I was like, wait, I was supposed to be turning it on. It was already on. Well, good morning and welcome once again to Connection Point Church. Thank you for being here today, whether you're joining us online or here in person. We just say thank you. It means a lot that you would be here with us today. This morning, we're going to continue in our series on the book of Jude. Last week, I shared with you how Jude was written against um, our as a warning against false teaching. My intention was for this to really be a, about a two-week series. Last week, I had really intended on getting through chapter, or not chapter 16, verse 16. It's only one chapter. Um, I had intended on getting through verse number 16 last week, and while we did read a few verses, we really spent the bulk of our time in verse number one last week. This week, I thought, man, we can probably get through verse number seven this week. But the, nor, the more time I spent in Jude, the more I came to the realization we're only going to get through the first four verses this week. So today we're going to go back and we're going to begin in verse number three. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there if you would. As we kicked off the series last week, I said if you're going to stand against false teachings, you had to first know who you are in Christ. You need to know who the Lord says you are, what the Word of God says you are. So we focused in on verse number one. We looked at three things that Jude told us. He said, you're called, you're sanctified, and you're preserved. It's God who calls us. In other words, we, aren't, we weren't out there searching for God. It was God that was drawing us to Him. It was God who gives us the gift of faith that enables us to be saved. We said, when we said yes to His call, he said, you're sanctified. We are, we are sanctified. In other words, we are set apart. We are to no longer live the way that we once lived. While it's not a message maybe that's often preached today, Jude actually says very clearly that we are to live holy unto God. Finally, in verse 1, we saw that it's Jesus who preserves us, meaning that it's not us that keeps us, but it's him who keeps us. Today, I want us to go and look at verses three through four, if we could do that. If you got your Bibles, and I hope you're ready, there in verse number three, it says this, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the Lord only, deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, again, we must remember that, that Jude, this letter was written as a warning to the church. It was, it was written because of things that were happening within that local church at the time. But you also need to understand that it's also a prophetic message. It serves as a warning as to, as to what would happen to the, in, the, in the church just before Jesus returned. And as we read through this book over the next few weeks, yes, I said few weeks. I know I said I only wanted this to be two weeks, but it's going to be a few weeks. As we read through this over the next few weeks, you're, you're going you're gonna to see that this message is so clearly for us today, as much as it was to the, to the first century Christian. There in verse number four, Jude said, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. 
certain men have crept in unnoticed. In other words, the enemy, he tries to use uh, to destroy the church with people from the inside. Listen, there's always attacks against the church from the outside. In many ways, those attacks are so much easier to defend. Those attacking the church from the outside are easy to spot. I mean, listen, it's happening all the time. Look in, in the media. You look on, on social media. And, and while social media attacks may be new, attacks against the church are not. The early church experienced uh, persecution from all sides. Listen, they, they experienced it from the Jewish believer. They experienced it from the Greeks. They experienced it from the Romans. Listen, the, the Jewish believer rejected Christ as the Messiah. The Romans felt threatened by this new Christianity, and they tried to stop it. But the fact is, those outside attacks only made the church stronger. It only made them more resolute. Persecution is not going to stop the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, in response to Peter's revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus said this in Matthew 16. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti shall not prevail against it. The church grows under persecution. We saw it in the first century, and we still see it happening today. We see it happening in places where true persecution really is happening. I've been to Cuba a few times, and on my second visit there about 15 years ago, I had the privilege of actually leading a team to help build their, their national office there in Cuba, the National Assembly of God. In fact, this right here is hard to maybe see there. That's a picture of the work that we were doing down there. We went and we laid concrete block, and that was about 15 years ago. At that time, there were about 800 churches that were recognized across the country of Cuba. About two years ago or so, I had the opportunity to go back to Cuba, and this is standing outside of what is that finished building today. And, and then I had the opportunity to go inside and sit down with the general superintendent of Cuba. This is inside the building of that first picture that you saw 15 or so years later. And instead of talking about the 800 churches that were there, he's telling us about the thousands of churches that are there now. See, you need to understand that the church will grow under persecution. But here Jude isn't warning against persecution. He's not saying stay, stay strong against those who are attacking from the outside. He says watch out for those who have slipped in. Listen, we look at our colleges today, and with few exceptions, with just a few exceptions of private Christian universities, we see our colleges as places that are far from God. I don't think anyone would argue that. We don't see them as training ground for Christian leadership, do we? We look at, we look at schools that attract students from all around the world, schools that, that are considered some of the very best in the world. Schools like Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Dartmouth and Columbia and Brown. We, the, the world would say those are the best of the best. And we see those as places that are not God-honoring, but in many ways are anti-God. And you say, yeah, but those, those are not the church. Those are schools. To that I say, you, you may not know this, but each of those schools I just mentioned were founded to train ministers to preach the gospel. Today, none of them 
stand for Christianity. Oh, they may have a, 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 a seminar, uh, uh, they may have some theology classes and things like that, but that is not their, their direction of the school. They, they, they stand in opposition to God in many ways. But listen, it didn't happen overnight, though. They were founded as places to train the Christian minister. It happened as a small progression over time. The enemy crept in, and he came in unnoticed and has now moved them so far from where that they started, most people wouldn't even know today why they were founded. Jude says, watch out. Be careful. Listen, that's why we have guidelines here as to who can serve on our church board. While, while there are many opportunities for a person to serve within the church in numerous areas from really almost day one from when they walk through the door, the church board is not one of those places. You're, you don't have to be, re, you don't, you're not required to even be a member to welcome someone at the front door. But to sit on the board, you're not only required to be a member, but you're required to be a part of the church for a year. Serving on the board is not open to someone who just joins the church in the last few months. It's not open to someone who's in and out of church. It's not open to someone who only attends when they, they feel like it, serves when it's convenient, has a rebellious attitude, or gives only when they have an abundance. See, our board selects someone from within the body to present to the body that has shown themselves faithful, who has been a member of the church for more than a year and who meets the qualifications of an elder according to the New Testament. And today in our annual business meeting, that's now been scheduled three times, <laughs> we will be presenting a name that has been unanimously approved by our current church board for you to ratify. We don't just draw a name out of the hat. We must be very careful who sits in position of leadership. It's important to carefully select someone for the church board, and it's incredibly important as to who we allow to stand behind the pulpit and preach the gospel. I get countless requests, countless requests from people outside of our church looking for opportunities to share some revelation that God has given them. Many times these are people who are not connected to any body of believers. They are accountable to no one. Yet they want an opportunity to stand in the pulpit to this, and, and share to this body of believers. Listen, as believers, we are all to test everything against the word of God. But, but I, have, I have an additional responsibility to guard false teachers from this body. That's why I don't allow just anybody to stand up here. I don't, I don't allow just any missionary or any evangelist to, to preach to this congregation. Those that do are almost always personally known to me, and if they're not, they hold a ministerial credential with the Assemblies of God. You see, today, in a matter of minutes, anyone with an internet connection and a printer can have a credential and call themselves a minister. There are people who call themselves apostle, prophet, minister, pastor, reverend, who are all self-proclaimed. And Jude is saying, be careful of those who try to slip in. Within our fellowship, within the assembly of God, you can't just print off a piece of paper or a card that says that, that, you're, are a, that you're a minister. That's not the way it works in our fellowship. 
People don't just start calling themselves pastor and, and we all of a sudden, okay, here's your certificate, here's your card. Come and share whatever the Lord has laid on your heart today, your incredible new revelation from the Lord. In our fellowship, we have different levels of credential. We have a local church credential. It's given to those who we see that God has a call upon their life. It's evident. And we issue that local church credential that allows them to operate under my supervision and the authority of our local church board. Then we have general counsel credentials within our fellowship. There are three levels. There's a certified, a licensed, and an ordained. With each one of these levels, there's, there's additional requirements. After completing the educational requirement, the candidate for credential, well, before, actually before that even, well, it doesn't matter, about the same time, I guess. I should know how this works, right? I sit on a credential committee. <laughs> All right, this is the way it works. <laughs> the candidate has to complete an educational requirement. After that, they sit in front of a sectional committee where they get interviewed. And if they get approved to move on past that, then they take a test, that their test on polity and doctrine and theology and then if they pass the test, then they get to go to sit in front of a credentials committee for another interview. If they, if they pass that with a recommendation, then that recommendation goes to our Tennessee Assembly of God Presbyter Board. And they look at that and the application and the test and all of the, the notes from the committees. And then they decide whether or not to forward it on to yet another level. And it goes to the general counsel for their approval. And once they are approved, then, and only then, are they issued a credential. This process is repeated at each level. This credential isn't forever, though. Right here on my card, it says, valid until December 31st, 2020. Every single year, the minister within the Assembly of God, they have to renew their credential, which means they have to attest to still following the same tenets of faith, the doctrine. And, and beyond that, every minister is subject to oversight. They are, they are subject to, to disciplinary procedures and even removal from the fellowship if they begin teaching things that are contrary to that, or contrary to our tenets of faith. It's a pretty exhaustive process. Juan, can I get you to help me with something real quick? Can you come up here? You don't need your coffee. A couple of years ago, several years ago now, Juan started a process. And a couple of years ago, we actually issued a local church credential while he was going through the, the uh, educational requirements and all of the, the stuff that you would go through, right? Um, would you say it's been a, a long process? <laughs> it's a very long process. Step over here because you're off the camera. There you go. Very, people are like, who's he talking to over there? <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> um, it's been a long process. It's not been easy. It's been great that you've had the local church credential, right? But that wasn't the end goal in mind. It's, it's to continue on and on. Man, you don't know this, but on Thursday I got this letter at the district office. And here's what it says. It says, Dear Juan, warm Christian greetings. 
This is from the General Secretary of the Assembly of God, Donna Barrett. It gives me great pleasure on behalf of the Credentials Committee to forward to you credentials recognizing you as a licensed minister, that's the second level of minister, to a full gospel ministry in the Assemblies of God Fellowship. Welcome to our Christ-honoring family of ministers. It goes on. and it, Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? It goes on and tells him, hey, don't forget to pay your tithes to the, to the general council. And, and it even comes with this nice little um, envelope that says, here's how you can send it in. But in here is also a credential card that says valid until December 31st, 2020. Rachel, can you hand me something here? This right here is his ministry license. Don't go nowhere. Jude gives us several instructions in his book, instructions that, that say to contend for the faith. And, and let me just go real quickly. We're going to come back and capture these over the next weeks, but, but in Jude, in verse 3, it says, earnestly contend for the faith. In verse 17, it reminds us to remember the teachings and warnings of the apostles. In verse 20, it says, build yourself up in the most highly faith, most, most holy faith. Verse 20 says, pray in the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 says, keep yourselves in love, in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love. 21, look for mercy of the Lord to bring you to eternal life. Because it's with God's mercy that brings us. And then it closes out in verses 22 and 23. And it's basically saying, show mercy to Christians who are doubting. Snatch unbelievers from the fire. And cautiously show mercy to the corrupt. I wasn't saying he's corrupt by laying my hand. <laughs> and that's, that's what I charge you with in this moment. So I know this is a little different than our, our normal message, but we're talking about the protection of the pulpit and the pr protection from the church of those false teachers that are coming in. And this means something. This isn't, this isn't a piece of paper that you print off the Internet and says, here you go, here's your credential. It's a long process where he, has to, where he had to go through, and it means something. And we recognize you today, and we just want to pray over you right now as we move forward in this service. Would you all just stand with me real quick? Father, we, we come before you right now, and we say thank you for Juan, who is a gift to this body of believers. God, and I pray right now that, that he would, would walk out this, this Jude book in his life, that he would earnestly contend for the faith that he would remember the teachings and warnings of the apostles, that he would build himself up in the most holy faith, that he would daily pray in the Spirit, that he would always keep himself in your love, Lord God, and that he would remember that it is only your mercy that brings us to eternal life, and that he would sh show that same mercy to all of those that he comes in contact with. And God, we right now just put our hand upon him, Lord God, that you would anoint him to proclaim the gospel. Oh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is yours. Don't forget your tithing envelope. I'll send you one from the district as well. Listen, isn't that awesome?
she had no idea. We got that in on Wednesday or Thursday this week at the district office. And I said to Esther, I said, don't call him. Don't tell him. I want to surprise him on Sunday morning. Listen, while there is a higher responsibility on those who stand behind the pulpit, those who proclaim the gospel from here, it doesn't mean everyone else is exempt. We are to all contend for the faith. There is today such a great need for us to hear the words of Jude and to live them out. Each of us are required to fight. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, it's not always going to be easy. You're going to have to die to yourself. And that word we read as contend in the Greek is the Greek word where we get the word agonize. So the Greek word that's translated contend earnestly means to fight or struggle with intense effort. Jude is basically saying you're going to have to fight for it. And that's not just for the ministers of the gospel. That's not just because we are all ministers of the gospel. It's not just for those who stand here and proclaim it. He's saying you're going to have some struggles. It's not always going to be easy, but you can't give up. You've got to contend for the faith that was once given. Jude said in verse number three, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That means the message has come. It has come one time for all. It's not coming slowly with, with new revelations as time goes on, as, as Joseph Smith told people that, you know, I found these golden plates with this new revelation. The message has not been changed. It's not, it, it, it's not to be distorted. Paul said in Ephesians this. I don't have it up there, but I'll, let me read it to you. Yes, I do. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is only one word, one Lord. There is only one faith. It's already been delivered once for all saints. Once for all, Judah's saying it's complete. We don't need to be looking for, for corrections or for additions. Again, I go back to, to Jesus' response to Peter. He said, on this rock I will build my church. What was the rock? It's the, the revelation that, that Peter says in verse number 16. He said, Simon Peter answered, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the message. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. There is no other way but by him. In Galatians, Paul says this, I am surprised and astonished that you are so quickly turning renegade and deserting him, who invited and called you by the grace, the unmerited favor of Christ, the Messiah, and that you are transferring your allegiance to a different, even an opposing gospel. Not that there is or could be, any other genuine gospel, but there are obviously some who are troubling and disturbing and bewildering you with the different kind of teaching which they offer as a gospel and want to pervert and distort the gospel of Christ, the Messiah, into something which it is absolutely not. Paul says there are those who would pervert the gospel. And Jude says, beware of those who come in to deceive the church. He's telling us they may look and act like a friend, but they are instruments of the enemy sent in to destroy. We are warned over and over again throughout the New Testament, beware of those who pervert God's grace. 
Jude 4. He says, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. There are those who have turned the grace of God into lewdness. And over these next weeks, we're going to look at some of the examples that Jude gives us in this, in this letter. He said, there are those that take the grace and the goodness of God in the free gift of salvation and use it as an occasion for sin. We see it happening today. People are being led to believe a little won't hurt you. We are seeing a perverted gospel, a Christianity that does not line up with what God has called us into. Teachings that say, you can do whatever you want, however you want, as long as it feels good and right to you. I told you last week that I believe one of the greatest issues within the church today is many people have replaced the gospel message with a message of patriotism and freedom. Not the patriotism and freedom, that the fighting for the oppressed. The, not the, the fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. But instead, they've turned it into this fighting for a freedom so they can do what they want, when they want, how they want. It's just this mantra, do it your way. This ain't Burger King. You don't get to have it your way. You get to have it the way that God says. Man, see, now he, man now decides what is right and what is wrong with no thought to what God's moral law declares. I'm here to tell you today there is no such thing as a little right or kind of right. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And if you want to know the difference, all you got to do is open the Word of God. There is but one gospel. And anything that does not line up with it is a false teaching. So I ask, what are you allowing into your life? Have you accepted that idea of whatever makes you feel good as long as it feels right to you is okay? Jesus said there's one way, and that he was it. He said his way is narrow. Listen, the other way is wide, but it'll take you straight to hell. The word of God is plain. His word says, be holy, for I am holy. So are you allowing the little things in? Little things that don't line up with the word of God. And saying, you know what? Grace will cover it. Grace will cover it. That's the message of grace that Paul warns against. Peter warned against it. Jude warned against it. Over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, we're, we're warned of this grace that, that people would just say, you know what, this is my license to do what I want. If a false teaching was only a problem in the early, or if false teaching was a problem in the early church, don't you think it's a problem today as well? I mean, these are people who walked with Jesus and they had to deal with it. But if you're going to contend for the faith, earnestly fight for it you got to open up the word of God not just in here but at home too and not just at home but in here too you can't just take whatever someone says who's standing here at face value you got to open up the word of God and test it against the word of God what does God's word say don't believe everything you hear on the internet watch on TV or hear on the radio open up the word of God what does it say is what you're hearing lining up with what he's saying? Do 
the, th the things line up scripturally with the word of God. If it doesn't, contend for the faith. If it's me, ask me about it. Maybe you heard me wrong. Maybe I said it wrong. Maybe I was wrong. But we can open up the Word of God and look together and see what the Word of God says. So many times we take what we've been taught as gospel truth without ever opening up the Word of God to see what He says. Finally, Jude says in verse number four, talking about the false teachers and saying they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude is warning them, beware of those who would deny Jesus Christ. He's saying one of the very things being taught was going against the very foundation of what Jesus said his church would be built upon. That he is the Messiah, that he is the living God. See, they were denying lordship and the deity of Jesus Christ. And we would say to that, that would never happen. We would never do that. And to that I would say, have you made him lord of your life? I'm not asking if you've accepted salvation. I'm saying, is he lord? Is he lord of what you listen to? Is he lord of what you watch? Is he lord of what you say? Is he Lord of how you spend? Have you allowed things into your life that don't belong in his kingdom? All the time saying things like this, I'm only human. I'm only human. Grace will cover it. To that I would say that's not the intention of grace. God's grace is given so you don't have to be bound by the chains of sin. God's grace is given so you can be free from sin. Don't allow false teachings that say a little won't hurt take hold in your life. See, if you give those teachings a little room, they end up moving the boundary stone. They move the boundary stone in your life of what's right and what is wrong. And what you've done when you've done that, you've taken the rock of Jesus Christ and you've replaced it with a rock of your own. Jude is saying these people have separated his being Savior from his being Lord. He's saying they are, a, they are a law unto themselves, accountable to no one, including the sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ. And Jude goes on to, to condemn those actions. He's saying if you deny Jesus as Lord, then you forfeit him as Savior. Let, let, me, let me read that again. If you deny him as Lord, you are forfeiting him as Savior. They go hand in hand. You, you can't have one without the other, but, it, but that's what we want, and that's what was being taught here. That's what Jude was, that's why Jude said, listen, I wanted to talk to you about salvation, but I got to earnestly write you right now because, listen, there are false teachers, and they're telling you you can have one without the other. You can have a Savior, but you don't have to make him Lord. You can have a Savior that isn't really the, the deity of God. He's just a good teacher. And he's got some good ideas. And Judah's like, wait, no, that's not what you were taught. You've got to contend for the faith that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can't separate the two. So have you allowed little things to slip in unnoticed? Are there things?
things in your life that just don't belong? Maybe the better question is this. What have you allowed in your life? What have you allowed in that doesn't belong? What are you devoting time to that is taking you farther from God? I'd say if we were all honest, there are probably things in all of our lives that, that need to go. So as we, as we close out this time together, can we take just a moment? I want to pray for you, but before we get there, can we take just a moment while Kate is, is playing, whether you're online with us or you're here in person, could you just ask him right now, God, what is it in my life right now that doesn't belong? Because I promise you this, if you are really asking the question, all you got to do is listen. Because he sure will tell you. Because the Holy Spirit will convict us. The question is, will we respond to it or not? So let's take just a moment.